you're going to get less views. You know, less people are going to watch YouTube. You know, when I, if I'm flipping through Facebook or I'm flipping through Instagram reels or whatever it might be, watching for five, 10, 15 seconds. But if I actually go on YouTube and I search something out, like if I want to learn, maybe I'm not learning about credit bureaus because hopefully, you know, as a mortgage agent, I know about it. But if you I want to learn, that already, if, yeah, if something. I learn anything, I'm going to go on to YouTube. I'm going to search exactly what I need to find. And then I'm going to watch that video. And YouTube's division of Google. They know what I search, right? They know all my search history on there. So it's going to recommend videos for me. So the videos that are going to get recommended to my viewers are things that they want to learn. So my views are a lot lower than what they are maybe through an Instagram reel or something like that. But the ones that are watching are getting more engagement and I'm getting people calling me and saying, Hey, I really wanted to learn about this. I wanted to learn about buying a rental program. I wanted to learn about like credit bureaus, whatever it might be. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. To the show, I have Adam Walker. Adam is a ex-mortgage specialist. In fact, he actually managed about a 20 mortgage specialists before becoming a mortgage broker. And in this episode, him and I talk about how you can use YouTube. He's been doing a very good job of that. Also today on the Ask Expert segment, I have Jeff Hill from SureX about landlord and rental property insurance. Before I jump into that, I gotta give you a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's very easy to use. Adam is actually using it in his business right now and loves it. And it's got some smart features built in, like it automatically knows what documents to ask for based on the way they fill out the app, connected lender spotlight, which searches all the rates and guidelines. And then it's got smart submission notes, so it pulls some of the key data from the app. So when you're sending it to the lender, it makes it just run much smoother. Check them out at lendas.com slash Finmo. Hey, Adam, welcome back. Awesome, good to be here again. So let's jump into marketing. And so there's several different ideas that you have shared with me. And one of the things that I've appreciated about you and that I think has helped your success is that I said before, the gap between idea and execution is very short. If you get an idea or a good idea, you're going to execute, may not be perfect. It will get out there. You'll learn from it. You'll improve it. So can you share some of your marketing stuff? I know there's YouTube. You've also done some book or something you told me about. I remember the details on that, but you did you made these like custom things and tell me what some of those, like the best ideas that you've had. Yeah. So one of the cool things I've been really working on now is YouTube. And I went to, I remember going through a conference one time where they talked about, you know, if you don't like the way you look on video and everybody wants to stay away from video, right? And they said, if you don't like the way you look on video, then, you know, oh, I look too fat on video. Well, that's because you're fat, right? Like that's kind of what he said. <laughs> was okay. this an American conference? No, that was Canadian actually. Okay. You know, but, you know, it's, okay. Yeah. That's the way I look, right? If you don't like the way you sound, well, that's the way you sound, right? And that's the way everybody else sees you anyways. And, and stop being so self-conscious and everybody feels that way. There's nobody really that you talk to that says, you know, I love doing video because I love the way I look on video and I love the way I sound and I love everything, right? There's a lot of really good things there. So I thought when I started here, I got to start right on. I got to hammer Instagram. I got to do Facebook and I got to do video because everybody says video is going to be the best thing ever. And I started a little bit on that. I started a little bit on TikTok and, and I had a little bit of success here and there. I was getting lots of views, but not a lot of engagement. And I listened to a couple podcasts in a lot of different places. And YouTube seemed to be a really, really good place to be. And there was a lot of really good things coming out of YouTube. So, you know, because it's, you're going to get less views, you know, less people are going to watch YouTube. You know, when I, if I'm flipping through Facebook or I'm flipping through Instagram reels or whatever it might be, watching for five, 10, 15 seconds. But if I actually go on YouTube and I search something out, like if I want to learn, maybe I'm not learning about credit bureaus because hopefully, you know, as a mortgage agent, I know about it. But if you I want to learn anything, I'm going to go on to YouTube. I'm going to search exactly what I need to find. 
And then I'm going to watch that video. And YouTube's division of Google. They know what I search, right? They know all my search history on there. So it's going to recommend videos for me. So the videos that are going to get recommended to my viewers are things that they want to learn. So my views are a lot lower than what they are maybe through an Instagram reel or something like that. But the ones that are watching are getting more engagement and I'm getting people calling me and saying, Hey, I really wanted to learn about this. I wanted to learn about buying a rental program. I wanted to learn about like credit bureaus, whatever it might be. And it's also turned into content that I can send out on a monthly newsletter to my clients. It's turned into a weekly email that I send to my realtors. I have a weekly text message with, you know, some of my clips, like I'm running my own podcast where I interview different lenders. I interview, you know, the local appraiser, a home inspector, the moving company. I interview all those and then push those out to my community as well. It's just different pieces to help them educate buyers, educate realtors. There's all kinds of really good information that's going out to them every week. Right. One mistake I made when I started my podcast back was I never used video enough. And so I think right on with that in terms of like YouTube, the difference between long form content than short form is that long form really does build trust. Short form can get attention, but when you have people reach out to you and they act like they already know you because they're like, Hey man, I was, you know, they watched some videos. They already know you. they're going to get on the phone and act like they're your buddy. And it's totally different than other types of online marketing where your people are clicking on an ad or something. So you started YouTube right now. So what's your frequency of production and where do people find it? And they're going to ask a bunch of questions on it. Yeah. So if you go to Walker Mortgages on YouTube, it's right there. It's continued to grow. I'm up to about 580 subscribers on it now. Yeah, that's great. Views per day. We're anywhere between 30 and 50 views per day. I'm trying to upload at least one new podcast a week. And then from that podcast, I've been using a couple AI tools. I use video. And yeah. we chop up into three or four different segments. It chops it up already into two or three minute videos. And it'll publish those onto my page. And then I'm doing like some different things like a home buyer series where I talk about credit bureaus. And I go on and really what I'm doing is I'm finding other videos that I like to watch that are engaging, taking their transcripts that they're using, punching it into chat GPT and making it my own, right? And putting right. it in point form of a lot of those things, maybe switching around a few things to make it my own language. And then got a teleprompter and I punch it on there and pump out those videos on my own. So I try and do one of my own a week, one podcast, which gets, you know, about three or four other videos on there. And so is there a difference between the podcast and the video or is there a video of just you talking about a topic and then there's another one where you're doing an interview or how does it structure? Yeah. Yeah. So two separate ones. So the one of me just talking is where I just, I'll just sit here and I'll talk about, so what I did this week was about credit bureaus. So, you know, here's what you need to know if you're going out to buy a house, here's what you need to know about your credit bureau. And we talk about, you know, a lot of those different topics. Every time I have a realtor call me, I, I had a realtor call me this week and say, Hey, I have a client that wants to know if they're eligible for a first time home buyer. How do I know if they're eligible for a first time home buyer? So I figure if they've got that question, other realtors had that question. So I'll take that, you know, do a little bit of research on whatever the topic might be. And then I do a video on that and I send it out to all my realtors. And then how long are those videos typically? Some will be as short as two minutes. Some can go up to about 10 minutes. Two to 10. Then how long are your podcasts? I try and give 15 to 20 minutes. I don't like to go over 20 minutes if I can. And again, those are all just, it's great. It's just ways for me to learn. And the local people, they like to pump it out to them as well. And I've always said, if you drop me down in a city, I didn't know anybody. And I had to build a mortgage business. I, the first thing I would do is start a podcast. But I would also bolt on the YouTube component because like right now we're doing a podcast, but I've got video. So like, why not just do both? I used to joke, I didn't want to do my hair, but I just wear a hat. Yeah, I went by hats. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I got a hat. So I'm like, okay, I don't have an excuse anymore. I'm like, wow, yeah. that was really lame that I did not do podcasts or videos for the last seven years. 
because I didn't want to buy a hat or didn't want to, you know, I don't mind doing my hair. I don't want to sound like I, so you do that. Then you take some of those the content you use like a video.ai, which is a fantastic tool we use as well. Does the chopping, anything else you're using for tools or. Yeah, and then, so some of those I take, and I put those right through social pilot and I've got two or three of them going out every day. You know, I've got over a hundred videos on my YouTube page. Now I have enough for the next couple of years in terms of once I keep punching those in through video, I've got a couple of years worth of content and most of it's evergreen. So those can continue to go out over and over and over again. And then do you share that shorter content on like Instagram and Facebook and stuff? Like, yeah, so then exactly. drive people back to the fuller content. Yeah, yeah that's right. exactly awesome. Yeah, that's smart. Okay. So you also told me about, there was a marketing thing that was not this, but it was something to do with a book or. Yeah. So I did this back. I love this idea. What was this one you're telling me? Yeah. So I did it back when I was a manager and I'm going to do it now for some of my top realtors. It was called the mad book and you know, you make a difference book and what I did back then. So when I was a manager, I used to get everybody's reviews. So positive review or negative review, it came to me. I had to call them back. So I kept everybody's review for an entire year. And then I gave it back to all my team at that time with every positive review in a book that they could sit on their desk. You know, we called it the make a difference book. And Mm -hmm. so when you're having a bad day or, you know, some days things don't go your way, read your book. And it's got some of those really cool uh, quotes that those clients said about you. Yeah, it's a good reminder, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but didn't you also make some that you sent to a realtor partner or referral partner? Yeah, so we had the same thing. So we built on that back then and we did the same thing for realtor partners, right? So build that out. And again, so those ones now, they're going to have my branding on it when we do the next ones is now every day they've got that book and it's got you know a little bit of reminder of me as well. And yeah. another one stay top of mind, right? So yeah, I thought those were brilliant ideas. Is there any other things that, again, as a guy who takes idea to execution, any other marketing things that you found to be useful in your career biggest thing is just talking to people right you know it's funny you can be as fancy as you want you know you talk about what's the most important tool that a mortgage agent has and a lot of people oh this app or that app or whatever it might be and everybody forgets about the most important one it's your phone pick up the phone and make calls right and it's one of the biggest things that i do every day is try and find every time i talk to a client i talk to the partner right so if i got news to give to a client i call and update the referral source and it doesn't matter how big or how small that news is i always make that call hey just want to let you know this is where we're at by the way what else is going on this week right and then you're not just calling and saying hey what's going on like hey you know i'm I'm still here for your referrals can you know do you have anybody for me you're making a call touch the lead touch the partner talk to both sides but pick up the phone yeah, what you just said that I've heard that touch the lead, touch the partner. So you touch the file, then you're going to update your referral partner at the same time, because why not? You're getting two for one, give a reason to reach out. So give me an example of like how you do that. So practically speaking. Yeah, just as simple as today. So like just spoke with a client, they put a new offering on at home, called them, got the approval done, submit the deal off, called the realtor that they're working with who referred the file to me and said, you know, I just want to know, Mr. Realtor, this is exactly where we're at. We submitted the file. Here's the expectations going forward. You're going to hear from me every single day. Every morning, you're going to get an email with an update to where the file's at until we fulfill this condition of financing and let them know this is what's going on. You know, they obviously are going to thank you. Hey, what else is going on? You got anything else going on in your business? Anything else I can help you with? Then you're going to call the other realtor. Hey, just want to let you know, my clients have put the offer in on your property, 123 Main Street. Just want to know, is this the best number to call for an appraisal? You know, we're probably going to need appraisal on this property. Is this the best number to call? Right. Yeah, that sounds kind of dumb, but okay. Just want to let you know, this is where we're at. If there's any issues at all, here's my number to call me. What else you got going on? How's business? You've been busy? Simple things. Right. Like-, like right in that alone, that one thing, there's three different points of contact that you can do. And that's yeah, happening so- all the time. 
Yeah. And you're going to call the lawyer. You're going to have the same conversation with the lawyer. Hey, just want to let you know, these are my clients. They're going to be going to the lawyer. Everybody on the file, we're going to let them know. We're going to ask them what else is going on. Anything else you can help you with? And mm-hmm. it's just conversations. And it doesn't matter if it's a purchase, if it's a refinance, what it is. We're talking to a realtor on every single deal. On a refinance, I'm going to call talk to the client say, hey, what's your property worth? You know, it's worth $700,000. Perfect. Who was your realtor that you used to buy this house? You know, one thing I like to do is I like to go above and beyond. And I like to have a conversation with your realtor because they know your home as an expert. I want to go and get that expert opinion. So your file looks a little bit better when it goes into the lender. Ooh, my, that's good. My realtor was Joe Blow. Oh, perfect. What did you like, Joe? Was he good? You know, oh, yeah. What did you like about him? You know, he was really good at communication. So now I'm going to call Joe and say, hey, Joe, just calling about our mutual client, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. They said this about you. These are all the great things they said about you. Just want to let you know we're working on a refinance for them. One of the things I do to go above and beyond is I get an expert's opinion on what the value of that property is. So right. That's pure gold. If you guys are listening to this and you're not doing it, like literally there's a massive missed opportunity. How many refis have I done where I didn't even think about reaching out and having a conversation with the previous real estate agent to start like, wow, who does this? Right. Like, yeah, there's no business in it for him, but there is opportunity for you to build relationship and it gives you a reason to call yeah and it was just that hey i just want a rough number because some of well i don't know i'd have to do a whole evaluation no i just want a rough number i really don't care what they say right i'm gonna call you no, I, I get that you're basically you're building, building, you're building, they're gonna hear that i think that they're an expert their yeah. clients say great things about them and i go above and beyond for my clients right and that's the key thing to the whole thing any kind of last words of advice for anybody who's trying to figure out how to improve their marketing for their mortgage business? This is from a front of the podcast I've listened to, but anything worth doing is worth doing badly. I really like mm-hmm. it. Even Kyle says that if it's worth doing, it's worth doing badly and just get better, right? Every time you right. do it, you just get a little bit better. You know, I've been doing this for three months and I look back at my videos three months ago and way better already. I've got lighting now. I've got this stupid plant that's behind me that everybody says adds depth and looks a lot better, right? So right. Uh, all those little things. It does that look better. I mean, it looks money. It's your money yeah, tree. Right. So, you know, that's what we do. Right. So it's just those little things and, and just continue to get better. Don't be afraid. Right. Like everybody's got those same concerns. Right. Everybody, you know, if you're nervous about the way you sound. You don't like the way you sound. You don't like the way you look. Everybody's the same way. Right. And right. if I can put my ugly face on video, so can you. Right. Dude, you, you've done 100 videos already. It's insane, actually, the level of productivity that you've had in such a short period of time. So amazing. Where do people find you online? Yeah, so Walker Mortgages is my YouTube page. Same thing, Walker Mortgages. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. And then anybody that's looking to get into this world, we've also started a YouTube page, The Mortgage Playbook. You know, myself and Justin Shose, he used to work for me as a mortgage advisor, followed him over to Brex here. You know, we've started The Mortgage Playbook to give different ideas. We're trying to share more tips, different ideas on how to grow as a mortgage advisor and share some of the knowledge that we have. Right, that's awesome, man. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Awesome, thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for listening to my conversation with Adam. Hopefully you got some ideas about how you can use YouTube. He's been doing a very good job of that. In this next segment, I talked to Jeff Hill from SureX about landlord and rental property insurance. Hey, Jeff, welcome to Ask the Experts. Thanks. Thanks for having me again, Scott. It's good to be here. So, hey, what topic do we want to jump into today? Okay, this is something we come across frequently, and it's making sure that if you have a rental property, that you have the right kind of insurance. There's a perception out there that home insurance is home insurance. And if there's a peril and something happens to your house, absolutely, you'll be covered. But what happens for a lot of first-time purchasers of a revenue property will do, they won't have the right coverage. So we want to make sure we're talking about landlord insurance and the benefits that come with it. 
Sure. So walk me through what is the main differences between like a landlord insurance and what are some things that it covers and what some things that it doesn't cover? You know, I, we had rentals and stuff in the past. We have a Airbnb right now. And I maybe we can touch on that, you know, when you have short-term rentals versus long-term because it's- a Yes. And case. that's a and, good- And you that, better tell your insurance company because the one doesn't necessarily cover the other. At least that's what they told me. So- 100%. Really important nuance is, you know, how much of your home you're renting out if there's home insurance. So well, let's start there. Let's say you okay. have a basement suite. You want to Airbnb that thing out. Your standard home insurance policy will cover that, but you're exactly right. You want to make sure that you disclose but that. That's because you're still living in it. You're there as well. You're still the primary resident. So if you're renting out a room, you're renting out a short-term rental in your basement, your existing policy will cover that. You'll want to make sure you talk to your broker and make sure you have the appropriate coverages for third-party liability in case they slip and fall on the steps in the wintertime or something like that coming out of the Airbnb. But more often than not, you don't really have to make big changes to your policy if you've got an Airbnb in your residence. Now, if you're not living there and it's a pure rental property, whether you're renting that you know, leasing that annually or it's a short-term rental like an Airbnb or a Verbo, this is where you're going to want to make sure you have like that landlord insurance. And there's three big things that are really differentiated between landlord insurance and traditional home insurance. First one's property damage. There's a little more nuance in terms of property damage. If you have a tenant that just goes crazy and bashes in the walls and that type of thing, if you have a home insurance policy, they're just going to say too bad. You know, my kid had a tiki torch one time when he was like three years old, he found this tiki torch and he decided to do like ninja training on the wall in his bedroom. And he put a bunch love of that kid. Yeah. Person, yeah. Everybody yeah. needs to be ninja. Yeah. <laughs> you got to love imaginations of little boys. So my insurance wouldn't cover that. They'd say too bad your kid punched a bunch of holes. If it's a tenant of a rental property and their ninja kid goes crazy, there is an opportunity if the damage is big enough that you could actually get a claim and have that covered. So property damage is one. Income replacement. This is a big one. Obviously, if something happens, the basement floods or you know something crazy happens that causes you to lose that revenue that comes from renting out that home, landlord insurance policy will cover that. Whereas if you have just a standard home insurance policy, they're going to say too bad. You didn't disclose that you're out of luck. So if you want to make sure your bases are covered as a landlord, having that in place will make sure that, you know, something goes sideways. You're still going to get that revenue. You're still going to be able to make those payments. The last one is just increased levels of that third-party liability. And so, you know, should something happen, a slip and fall or, you know, something crazy happened to your tenants, you are now covered no different than you would be if you had liability insurance on a business or, you know, in your car. So that third party liability would cover any claims against, you know, personal harm or anything that comes with that. So you're just covering your bases again. If something sideways happens to your tenants, they can't come back and sue you personally because, you know, the deck screw wasn't uh, screwed in all the way and they tripped and fell. Right. So we had a tenant one time who it was a furnished property, sold all the furnishings to a pawn shop, painted a wall purple, and then buggered off. And funny part was is that like the guy just literally left. So then I was in the mall with Shannon one day and we we're walking and Shannon's like, that's the guy. And so you saw this him. was in Victoria. So we saw him. So then I phoned the police. This was back before actually cell phones even. This was way back when. And so we phoned the police and I'm following him around the mall. And then the police come. And they say, hey, are you, apparently there were warrants out for this guy for other activities. And sure. so, because we couldn't, at this point, we found none of our property and the insurance is like, well, I don't think they paid for the repairs of the paint and stuff. Cause it was, we probably didn't have the right insurance, to be honest. We were like very young. Anyway, so I follow this guy around, the police come and they ask him, his name is 
Jeff Hill. His name wasn't Jeff Hill. Hey, are you Jeff Hill? He's like, no, that's not me. He was, well, show me your ID. He wouldn't show his ID. So they arrested him. And then, so on the way to the police station, he claims he's having chest pains. So oh. then they can't just ignore that. The guy's like maybe 40 or whatever. So they take him to the hospital. As soon as he gets to the hospital, they uncuff him. He runs away. He starts to run away. So then the police officer has to tackle him. <laughs> Anyways, wow. it's a big gong show. They found out which pawn shop he sold all of our stuff to. And so then we had to go into the pawn shop and then be like, that's ours, that's ours, that's ours. And we got like 25% of our stuff back. Oh, so, but that was a police issue, not a insurance issue. But not anyway, an insurance that was, issue. How long between yeah. when he trashed your place and you ran into him in the mall? Matter of days. It was, it was probably a few weeks, maybe a month. Oh wow! Yeah, so like it was less than a month because otherwise that stuff would have all been sold. Yeah, it would have so, been so, gone. So yeah, that was lucky. And what he told the pawn shop is that him and his girlfriend were breaking up, and he wants to get rid of all their stuff and come in. And how much do you give me for everything? And they just came, and picked everything up, and just took it. It's just a lot and, sale. Like, yeah, a lot. Exactly, estate sale for a furnished property, and I was like. Anyway, he got busted. Jay charging was something else, but what it was, uh, this goes back to when we were selecting tenants at the time, you know, our gut was like, something's off with this guy, but he seemed, you know, you're trying to get it done quickly. You're in a rush and you end up making a bad choice that then ends up costing you later on. So those expensive was, lessons. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. That was our, you know, terrible tenant story, but we've gotten better at being able to select tenants, but of course you never know what you're going to get. So what does tenant insurance not cover? So like, what things would somebody may assume that you're going to cover, but it's not just so that people don't, you know, have a surprise. Any belongings that belong to the tenant. And so this is no different than when you were in college and you got your first apartment, you as a tenant, you should have your own tenant insurance, which covers you for any of your belongings within there. So that is good advice. If you are a brand new landlord that you want to ensure that your tenants have tenant insurance, because let's assume the whole house goes poof up in flames you are covered for the loss of that rent. You're covered for obviously replacement value on the property, but you are not obligated to cover anything that belongs to the tenant. So if they've got a you know shoe collection, they've got a $5,000 worth of Jordans in their closet and that goes up in smoke, you are not on the hook to cover that. They have to have their own tenants insurance to cover any of their belongings. So they would go through and say, you know, I've got a shoe collection, I've got a really nice e-bike. And then they go to the insurance company and get a policy that would cover their belongings. Right. That makes sense. Just out of curiosity, price range. So if you have like a homeowner policy, how much more expensive is it to go pure rental? It's like asking what the rate is, what depends, mortgage, but like, give me some ideas of like, it's going to be a little bit more, right? So you're going to pay it, more for a it's a little bit more, but it's pretty on par with uh, a standard home insurance policy. There's not a lot in home insurance is, a, you know, a less risky vertical than auto insurance. There's a lot more stability in home insurance. And so there's not a lot of price variation. Obviously, if you are price conscious and you're trying to keep your costs down, tweaking things like your deductible or the types of items are covered, or, you know, obviously even things like location can make a difference on that pricing. But yeah, it's not typically that much more. You know, our average home insurance policy throughout Canada is roughly 1800 bucks, give or take. And an average like HAB policy or, you know, is 1900, 1950s. And so this is like, a pure rental. And if you have a homeowner policy, can you just add the fact that you have a tenant in there? What'd you do there? So if you, if so, you're yeah, living, let's say if I have a house and I have a basement and I'm going to put a tenant in, should I call my Oh, insurance? yes. It's yeah. You should say, let them know. Hey, I'm going to just insure. And then. Was it a rider? What would they do? Exactly. It could be some type of endorsement if it's a full-time tenant in a basement suite. And so, yeah, that's where the thing where you just want to talk to your advisor, you talk to your broker and make sure you have the appropriate coverages and things like a third-party liability or things like, you know, rent 
replacement, that type of stuff that can be added to a policy if you've got like a full-time tenant down there. Right. So if anybody's listening to this, so a couple of quick things. One, you guys sure are tied right into Phylogics and Finmo. So you can click a button and your clients can get a quote. You guys shop all of the different insurance companies out there. It's all done digitally, very seamless process for the client. And they pay you as well. Your company, you can get paid a little bit of money for the introduction. There's not as much money, obviously, in this type of insurance as in other types of insurance. But at the end of the day, it's worth it for your client. They got to get it done and it can put some money in your jeans. So check them out, surex.com, as well as Brits Bake right into the software. So that makes it really easy for you guys. And uh, I think you guys are growing like crazy. And I can imagine giving you another six, 12 months, it's going to be bonkers for you. The mortgage piece of the business has been amazing for us. And it's just because you guys are great at what you do. And we're able to add a little bit of benefit to the client journey by exactly. It's something they need to have. We try to make it a little bit easier. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, thanks, Jeff, for chatting with me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. All the best. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode. And hopefully you got some ideas for your mortgage business. I encourage you to check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com. We have a free power search account. You can keyword search all of our past episodes, so anything to do with insurance, anything to do with YouTube, find every single episode where we mention it. You can jump to those spots and basically copy and paste anything that works for your business. Check that out. And remember, competition happens at the bottom. Collaboration happens at the top. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.